Folks, if I had told you that my first show post-draft would be with a Chargers fan about a year ago, I don't know what I would have thought. Not, not a knock on my guest, NFL Jules, Jules, but it's just one of those things where usually it's Pats, usually it's something else, but this is just how way things work. It was supposed to be last uh, last Tuesday, but we're here today. Jules, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. And like I said, it's a, it's a beautiful time of the year, more or less, where it's like almost a post-Christmas, like that awkward December 27th, 28th, 29th feeling for football fans where, like, you got your new draft toys. You guys took Zion Johnson, the guard out of Boston College in the first round. But before anything else, right, we might as well get right into it. Post-draft week feelings. Like, how are you feeling as a Chargers fan with – we'll get into free agency and in trades in a bit, but with the draft, how are you guys, how are you guys feeling? I think we're pretty happy. I mean, I'm very happy. Um, I think that we got exactly what we went in there to do. We, of course, you know, everybody wants um, people to take those more, I'll say, exciting in quotation positions, you know, getting a wide receiver in the first round, trying to get that kind of stuff. And um, for us, we took exactly what we needed. We needed to fill out our defense more. We needed to take some O-line to protect Herbert. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. Taking all those defensive backs was great for us. We really needed to bump that up. So, I kind of feel like that's going to help really divulge uh, Derwin James and let him more be him, like be his own player, and then kind of let the other DBs kind of like fill in their roles to kind of like take pressures off him when he's getting either double teamed or letting him get up and blitz more. That's that was just my feeling about going more DB. So I kind of get where Tom Telesco was going with that. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's something that Brandon Staley said in a couple pressers back that he mentioned that. The same way that they want to build the offense around Herbert, they wanted to build that defense around Derwin because um, he's just such a leader on that defense and he takes charge of everything and he can do almost everything that you ask him to do. He's such a versatile safety, right? He's kind of everywhere on the team. So uh, yeah, definitely getting all those defensive backs takes that pressure off of him and makes things a little bit easier for him and his partner Nas on the side there. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you have Derwin James, you have Nazir Adderley, and then you also obviously have JC Jackson, which we'll jump right into it right now. I'm just, we're going to go, it's just like boom, 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 rapid fire, rapid fire. So, yeah. With that, obviously, defense was addressed. We know the 2021 Car- uh, Chargers defense. I'm with Cardinals for some reason, just ignore my hat, <laughs> folks. Um, with the 2021 Chargers defense, I know that, like, the run defense wasn't good. It needed to be addressed. So, Khalil Mack, yeah, J.C. Jackson, they really show that this is the team that can go for it. You have the coaching staff in place. Is that how you feel? Is that how you, like with bringing in J.C. Jackson, with bringing in Khalil Mack, do you feel like it's a not so much a go-for-it Super Bowl year, but a go-for-it, make the playoffs, and really put their mark on the AFC West and the AFC as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. I feel that way. I think that we can be a deep playoff team. I think that that's something, especially today, we just signed Bryce Callahan as well. So we're just sort of like adding more and more pieces. Um, when it came to that free agency with the Khalil Mack pickup, like nobody was expecting that. That was something that really came out of left field for us. It was just like this sort of insane move. Uh, JC Jackson was kind of like a rumor. Um, we saw the way that him and Derwin were interacting at the Pro Bowl and there seemed to be some sort of recruitment going on. So that was definitely exciting. Um, And yeah, our run defense is definitely going to be better because we also picked up um, Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph day. So they're going to be great on that line for us. 
Um, we still have some of our other guys uh, back with us this season who are going to be great for depth. Um, and we even took uh, a Tito in the draft as well. So he should be great for us there as well. That defense needed to be bulked up. We were like bottom five defense and you just can't go to the playoffs, let alone try and make a Super Bowl run with a bottom five defense. It's impossible. Because we all, you guys almost didn't make the playoffs in 2021. There was obviously the uh, very infamous game in 2021, the last game of the NFL season, game 272. The unfortunate timeout call by Brandon Staley and all that stuff. So I feel like it's more or less there's a chip on the shoulder for everyone within the organization to really make that push for the playoffs to go from, look, there was the 2020 season where we all knew Lynn was getting fired to Brandon Staley's built something here. And I, I that the hiring as a whole at first kind of confused me because I was like, okay, Defensive sound head coach, but you're trying to lead an offensive team and it's worked. I think it's just the, I think the main thing for the Chargers is just win a couple of those games. I, I feel like I could say that for any team, but I feel like with the Chargers, especially now and with how packed AFC West is, win a couple games you're not supposed to and you'll be in. Yeah, exactly. And I think when it came to that hiring process for the Chargers, I think um, it was a bit of a surprise for us too. I think everybody thought that we were getting Brian Dable at first. Um, and when it came to Staley, he uh, he kind of popped out of the woodworks. But it seemed as though that was kind of the plan for the Chargers the entire time. It was like Tom Telesco is the master of the smoke screen. So none of us really knew what was going on. Um, but Staley being a quarterback in college has really helped with that, building that offense up. And um, it's nice now that he's getting the uh, defensive roster that he wants, you know, because he came in and he inherited that defensive roster and they didn't make any changes. They really focused on that, uh, on the offense for that season. And um, now it's time that he can actually go and build that defense that he wants to. And we've seen him build a defense in the past. We know what he could do with the Rams. So it's definitely exciting moving forward. You're, you're right when you say it though, because Obviously, Anthony Lynn was a very offense. He's an offensive head coach. He went from Detroit. Now he's the offensive coordinator in San Francisco. Um, so his team was different. It was a Gus Bradley. It was that Seattle scheme defense as well. So now they're playing the more Rams scheme of defense, which same building, just different hallways. Um, but with the division, like with the AFC West, if I had to ask you right now with the not do you think you could be first place, but do you think that the Chargers are second place or first place, or where do you see them right now? Like, take like I want you to take the fan hat off for a second, but like a realistic hat off. I'm not trying to put put down your team or say anything. I just want if you had to look at it from a realistic standpoint on May the third, when we are four months away from kickoff, which feels good to say, even though it's still a long ways away. Like, where do you see this team right now? I think objectively, I see the Chargers at first or second. I do see them making that push for first place, especially you know. Before the Chiefs uh, traded away Tyreek, I would have said for sure, I think the Chargers are second. But I think that even though the Chiefs had a great draft, that I think that overall, it's just, I don't know. I think that the Chiefs lost that spark that like made them that fast-paced, hard-to-cover team, um, even with a good draft. So I think that the Chargers are really going to make that push. The Broncos, you know, adding Russell Wilson, that's definitely makes them a contender as well. Um, the Raiders added Devontae, which was, um, you know, both expected and unexpected, just 
based off of his relationship with Derek Carr. But um, I think the Chargers are first or second. Yeah, I think that they have all the right pieces going into this season. I think that, I think they have all the right pieces too. I think that like like you said, Brandon Staley's built his perfect defense. You still have the same offense in place. There's just like a couple like changes here and there. Mike Williams got the extension in the off season. Um, but I've actually been talking a lot about the AFC West because it's kind of like the bell of the ball division in football right now. I know that's a very weird quote. And I know that it is what it is but like with the AFC West, you have the four powerhouses, but the one question I've been asking everyone and so far, no one's given me the chargers. Everyone's saying one of the other three teams as the disappointment. So I want to ask you, Jules, a true AFC West fan. If you had to pick one of those four teams to be, and I know you're not, there's one you're not going to pick, but out of the teams in the AFC West, who can you see being a disappointment, meaning that they don't live up to expectations or it just doesn't go right for them in 2022? Um, I would have to say, I got to say probably the Broncos. Um, I think that there was just them losing Fangio. I think that automatically that, that defense loses a couple points there. Um I think that I like, I want to say the Raiders because I'm a Chargers fan and there's just that <laughs> rivalry there. Um, but I think that, you know, the Raiders always make a pretty good push. And I think that they're always pretty accurately estimated when it comes to what they're going to be doing. You know, I never think that the Raiders are going to totally shit the bed. Um, I also don't ever really think that the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl. And so far it's been kind of in the middle for them uh, for the last or many 30 years or whatever. Um, but when it comes to the Broncos, yeah, I think that adding Russell Wilson made everybody overestimate the Broncos. I think, I think that that's what it comes down to is it's not that they're going to do super poorly. I just think that people are hyping it up too much now. Yeah. Cause I don't think it's like, as I feel like the team with the Denver Broncos is not like 2012 where it was Peyton Manning just had to get inserted and then the team automatically boom, Super Bowl contender. Um, the Denver Broncos has actually been the popular answer on this podcast for the last few ever so while I've asked that a question. Mine still is the Raiders because I'm not sold on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying that because I feel like with the Raiders, like the Broncos, I don't think it's going to come down to Russell Wilson's performance on how they do or if they play poorly. But with the with the Raiders, it's really easy to pinpoint it onto Derek Carr. Like they have their defense built up. They have some good weapons, obviously, Devontae Adams. But running back's a question mark. Offensive line's a question mark. But then Derek Carr is the ultimate question mark. He's always been he's always been mid. I'm going to use a 2022 term. <laughs> he's always been mid for a quarterback. Like he's never been the guy. If he wants to play like he did in his 2016 MVP year, then yes, I'm going to buy into them. But for right now, I'm still proceed with caution with them. And with the Chiefs, I'll say this. Because I said this last year with the Chiefs, I feel like Mahomes was going for those plays too hard where he was trying to hear the da na 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 shout out TSN for you and I. Sport, like, you know the sports center highlight of the night? With an R-E, yep. folks, with an R-E. Um, <laughs> that's, I feel like every play he's going for, he's trying for that, and he always hits those sports center plays when he's not trying to. It's always like when he tr- miss, you make something out of nothing, basically. I think that's pretty much what he does. So this year's truly going to see if, also, too, if, hey, if he really is this wonder kid that is a generational talent or if, you know what, maybe your surround your surroundings really helped you out. It's kind of like 
what we've seen with Aaron Rodgers a lot in the AFC, not AFC, NFC North the last few seasons too. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's interesting with Derek Carr and what you brought up too is that um, we, at least on Chargers Twitter, we often say that he's a DP merchant. Um, so he's just always drawn those penalties, which really like help out the team, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I've with when it comes to Derek Carr, he's always kind of middle of the road. It's like what you said, he's mid. Um, he's not. He he'll make a really great play every now and then, and that'll make people have this argument that he's like one of the top quarterbacks. But overall, and he always gets tons of passing yards, which people use with that passing yard status being like, well, he's unbelievable because he has these passing yards. Um, but there's so much more to that too, right? So yeah, when it comes to Derek Carr, he's definitely the question mark for that team. And I know a lot of Raiders fans agree with that too. Yeah, there's some Raiders fans that are just absolutely infatuated with him. And I don't think they can see past that. But then there are some, you're right, where there's still like, they don't know exactly like where to stand with him. Like I, mm-hmm. I think the Chargers this year, ultimately going back to your team, they're playing with house money. I feel like there's not really a point where I don't, I don't know. I don't like, look, you're my guide into Chargers fandom, Chargers Twitter. I feel like when you say a fan base now, it's always like, Oh, what's Chargers Twitter saying? It's like in Toronto, obviously we've had crazy 24 hours. So Maple Leafs Twitter has been completely exploding. Um, but with Chargers Twitter, I feel like it's – am I kind of right when I say that? It's kind of like a you, – you're expecting to do good, but there's not that huge expectation of we're going into the season fully expecting to be in Phoenix, Arizona come February. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that with the Chargers, um, with our fan base, it's very much this sort of it's – a, it's a letdown all the time for the Chargers, you know? Like we've never yeah. had that massive run that – is super exciting we've never won a super bowl so i think that like every single season we look at the team and we go okay this could be the year like this is amazing um and then every single season it's kind of that like disappointment you know yeah so going into this season you know i just tweeted out like i think that the chargers are going to be really good this season and it people are agreeing i think that this is the first time in a while that you know you can look at the team and you see elite players on both sides of the ball that yeah. are able to actually make these plays and do what they're supposed to do because they have the support around them. And there's a little bit of depth now, which is kind of nice too. Yeah, exactly. Including one of the uh, most rich backup quarterbacks in NFL history. I'm, I believe Chase Daniel <laughs> resigned another deal. They're prof- professional finesse. Like, I mean, for anyone who's mad about it or says he's a bad player, it's like, yeah, he sat on the sidelines and I think he's made like $40 million in his career. I'd, I'd like to do that. Sign me up for that job. Um, but if I had to ask you quickly about Justin Herbert as a whole, obviously going into his third year, two years ago when he came out of Oregon in the draft, there was the whole, oh, does he want to leave? Does he want to go to the West Coast? I was always like, he's going to be fine. Um, but for with Chargers fans for his third year, like where are, like, are you still looking for improvements on him? Or do you kind of realize, not that he's reached the ceiling, you know, but like in a sense of, you already kind of know this is what we're going to get, or are you kind of just like expecting the unexpected for him where he could come in this season and just light the world on fire or be the same Herbert we've seen for the last two years? I think, I mean, if you, if you want a totally biased answer, I think he's going to come in and light the world on fire. Um, but if you want something more objective, I think, I also think he's going to light the world on fire. You know, I think that Herbert's a star. Um, I think that he was just, lacking he was just lacking some people around him you know he was at the right side of that 
uh, offensive line was ter- pretty terrible last season. Um, so he was still, even though the left side was great and he wasn't having to run as much as he was the previous year, he was still running around quite a bit. Um, when it comes to our wide receiver depth, you know, we're lacking some speed there. We've got Jalen Guyton, but Jalen Guyton is very much, you know, half the time he has cinder blocks for hands. So you're never sure if he's actually going to go out there and make that play. Um, but no, I think that Justin has all the right things going for him. And I think that every single season, I think he's just going to keep getting better until he hits that ceiling, but I don't think he's hit it yet. Um, yeah, I think that something that is interesting about him that I've noticed is that he seems really calm and he seems really collected and he's got every he's pretty chill out on that field and he does well in the face of pressure, but he does beat himself up quite a bit and he takes on a lot of the team's struggle and the team worry. He blames himself for a lot of it, even if it's not his fault. And I think that that's something that sometimes can inhibit him in certain situations, um, specifically against the Pats. I think that both Pats games, as soon as, you know, he goes out there and he's realizing that he's not doing too well, oh, there he goes, he threw an interception. So I think that that kind of pressure and that kind of doubt does still seep in because he's such a perfectionist. Um, So I'd like to see him work on that sort of side of the game more than, you know, we know that he has a cannon. He doesn't need to really work on throwing the ball better so I think that when it comes to that kind of stuff it's great something that people don't talk about is that Raiders game that final Raiders game those last two drives before overtime when he scored 15 points in like six minutes he wasn't using his headset and that's something that people haven't really been talking about they talked about that with Joe Burrow uh, when his headset went out in that I think it was what was it the Titans game or the Chiefs game I think it was the Titans game correct me if I'm wrong but I think it was the Titans game yeah, his headset turned off in that game and there were like four plays or something that he called himself and everyone was freaking out about it, um, saying he's the GOAT, he's amazing. Um, and I always wanted people to know that like Herbert was doing that on those final two drives for going into overtime. And you can see it in the all-in documentary that the Chargers do, um, that Staley's walking up and down saying that Herbert's going no huddle and he's just going to call the plays and read defense. And that's what he does best. Um so I think that just building on those and getting that doubt out of the way, that that'll be great for Herbert. Exactly. I did look it up while you were talking, though. It was the Tennessee game for Joe Burrow where his headset to go out. Just wanted to clarify that for the folks. Great. Um, but I, I agree with you, and I also get that because it's going to sound weird, but we honestly live in a society now where a lot of people, like, if if, if you don't see things as perfection, you you beat yourself up on it. And I'm, I'm guilty of it. Every Everyone oh, out too. there is guilty of it. It's just one of those things where – Obviously, look, he's a professionally paid athlete, quarterback of an NFL franchise. There's only 32 of those jobs out there. I know there's multiple quarterbacks on the roster, but 32 starters. And with that, though, I'm just I just want to bring that up because like you can directly relate to how it feels because when you you know you're always striving for perfection, whether it's in work, personal life. For me, on this podcast, I try to make it every episode as perfect as I can. So with that kind of stuff, I get that. But at the same time, too, you're right. I don't see any mechanic problems with him. Like with Derek Carr, I just want to go back to the throwing points. It's great for fantasy football, but it's the on-field football, more or less with him. I don't know how much of a fantasy footballer you are, but I try to incorporate that into the show. So when you said that, it just kind of clicked in my mind. That's also my ADHD going. Um, but no, I, I I just agreed with the point when you said that, where it's just like, look, his mechanics don't need to do anything. If anything, it's like, you know when you bring your car into the shop and they say, hey, do you want to – 
I'm here for an oil change and they're like, oh, hey, but do you want a full point inspection and stuff like that? It's like, I feel like Herbert's the same thing where it's just like, you don't need, you when you know there's only a, some one thing wrong with the car, not 10, you want to focus on getting one thing fixed, not mm-hmm. the other 10 things around it that can get fixed later or that in your mind are fine. That's how I interpreted your vision of Herbert. And that's how I feel like a lot of Chargers fans feel about Justin Herbert through you, Jules, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, exactly. I totally agree with everything that you're saying. And when it comes to the with your fantasy point, yeah, I, I'm new to fantasy, but I did win my league last year. So I kind of, I know a little bit. Um, and yeah, when it comes to Justin Herbert, I had him on my team and he didn't give me as many points as I expected him to, but he also was going out there and he was doing things for us as a team on the field that I was yeah. like, you know, as an actual football fan, I'm happier to see my team do well and see that my quarterback is doing well in these game time decisions than just, you know, on my fantasy app. Same. Like instead of like me ferociously looking at my Yahoo app, which come basically from the end of August till the new year. That's, that's what I do on a daily <laughs> basis. I aggressively open Yahoo sports app on my phone, but that's neither here nor there. And guys say congrats on winning your league in the first year of winning fantasy football. It's not an easy thing to do, Thank you. Um, but you're welcome. But I, I, I view Mac in the same light where I'm like, okay, look, obviously I wouldn't take him for fantasy football, but I know that for, if he's winning games for my team on the field, that's all I care about. So I can, I directly get what you mean with Justin Herbert with all that stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I feel the same way with um, Austin Eckler. He puts so much, he's a guy that kind of does both um, where he puts so much stock in his fantasy. Like he's like, he does giveaways for people who draft him in fantasy. And so he's always trying to go out there and while he's playing, he's thinking about fantasy, which is kind of funny to me that he's trying to go out and rack up as many fantasy points as he can for himself and for the people who bet on him. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting with the Mac Jones point as well. Mac Jones, I think, is going to be fantastic for your team. And I mean, he already is, you know. He's already going out and making some really great plays. He's exciting to watch. Um, and yeah. Yep. That, that, I, that I also, too, folks, for those of you wondering, there will be a Patriots episode coming in the next few days or week. <laughs> I, I got a lot to unpeg, but I'm going to save that for that episode. You and I were focused on the Chargers, but... Speaking of betting and everything, I just have to give a shout out quickly to my presenting sponsor, BetStamp, for the best odds out there for any game you're looking to bet on right now, baseball, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Download the BetStamp app, link in bio, use promo code GRIFFB. Um, But going back to your charters quickly for 2022, when you look at the outlook, obviously we talked about what place you could see them finishing in. But when I say outlook, I want to talk numbers now. When you see a number for a win, like, I'm not asking you for a specific record. Also, because some people still say 16 games when it is 17. Mm-hmm. But is there a win window that you can see them in? Yeah, I mean, I'd say like 70 to 80 percent of the of these games. I mean, I went through. God, I can't. I guess it it was before the draft that I did this, so it doesn't really count anymore. But I went through and looked at our schedule, and you know, I did that whole like you know, checking off the games that you think you're going to win. And I had them landing like 10 to 13 wins in the season, Um, which, you know, if we were getting 12, 13, that's definitely enough to be first or second in that division. Um, But yeah, I feel like there's, you know, now that we went through that draft and we keep picking up these defensive guys uh, and like UDFA defensive guys too, I think it's just a matter of time before we see that 
win record and that win percentage go way up, um, especially with the amount of points that we know that we can get. Um, that was always something that was disappointing this past season is seeing like we had 11 wins uh, with games over 25 points. I mean, sorry, there were 11 games over 25 points, but we only had nine wins. Um, and so that just is like a testament to how poor the defense was that at all those games, it was just giving up points left, right, and center. Um, so yeah, I think this season, if we can manage to hold off those, uh, the other offenses that come up against us, that the wins are just going to come way easier and be way better for Herbert too. Cause I felt bad for all that work he was putting in. No problem. No problem. I completely understand it. For me, I still view it in like that. I'm not going to shoot for 13 yet, unfortunately. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say that like 10. Oh, yeah. to 10. I'm in that like 10 to 11 win range for them. I feel like, like I said, like, for example, the one game I'd like to see them win was like, you know how they had that game last year? Uh, I missed some of it, obviously. The Chargers Chiefs game, the second one, the Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Um, games like that, and I missed it. I always remember because I was at Spider Man that night. Um, but worth with, it. Yes, we're very worth it. Um, with games like that, I feel like you have to win. Um, the another game that comes to mind, and you're going to hate me for bringing this up, but is the Patriots Halloween game where they had to pick six late that pretty much was the nail in the coffin for that game. Cause that was very good back and forth. Obviously 2020, that was a, we're not going to go there for, I'm not going to make you relive. <laughs> you view as pain and I view as joy, but I, but with, with the Patriots, with the Patriots chargers, Halloween day game and SoFi, it was a good back and forth football game. I just rem- I'll always remember that Adrian Phillips pick six that he threw that Herbert threw. And that was kind of the difference point in the game. So I feel like too, if he can, limit plays like that I feel like it's also a big step in his favor to you know not saying solidify his role but because he's got the role of Chargers starting quarterback but solidify his place to where he can make the Chargers an elevated team and be that force in the AFC because when I look at the AFC there's only maybe four or five teams I can make cases for for not making the playoffs in 2022 yeah it's a very very tough conference yeah, like I like the AFC North is going to be tough. The South, there's one team I have right now circled making the playoffs, but things can change. East and then the West, there's going to be. I don't think four teams are going to make it. I think there's going to be a team that misses it, maybe two. It's that's the beautiful thing about football, though. It's just that you never know what to expect and you never know what you're going to get. So we just can keep playing this game of what if for four months and then it all plays out and then we can view these videos that you and I are doing on May 3rd on January 3rd and go, Hey, we were right about the chargers or Hey, this happened when we didn't think this was going to happen with a certain NFL team, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And like going back to that Patriots point that you made, um, I think that aligns with what I was saying with Herbert and working on that doubt that sets in, you know, that that pick six, uh, was it a pick six or was it just an interception? Yeah, oh, it was that pick six. six. Yeah, that pick six sealed the deal for that game, and that's something that uh, that he just has to work on with that doubt. Is that he's trying to make something happen to win that game, and he can't. You know, it's just not going to happen. And then he does something silly, right? Like every quarterback goes out and makes mistakes every season, um, and that's something that Herbert needs to work on. And I think you know he's young. He got that starting position at a time when nobody thought he was going to do it. Um, and so I think that 
uh, he's got some stuff to work on. But overall, winning those games, like that Chiefs game too, I think that that there were definitely some coaching things going on there that you know taking those fourth downs constantly throughout the entire game. Um, that like maybe you should have kicked once, but like now that you know that, but um, yeah, I think that there are some games that are winnable. I like your 10 to 11 uh, win thing. I think 11, 12 is what I'm looking at. 13 is like very biased and very hopeful, but I think that 11, 12 is more what I'm looking at for us. Which, which is, which is fair, which is fair. Like I look at it right now, the other teams, like I don't really know where to put them because I don't know what to expect, but like the lowest for me obviously still is the Raiders where I think the Raiders ceiling is like, 10 and seven right now, but that's all going to depend if Derek Carr goes out there and plays like an MVP and then Mahomes and Wilson, we're going to see, but I, I like the Denver doubt just because two of the new head coach there. Um, but I have a take for you that I don't know if you're going to receive this or not, but I was never a fan of Vic Fangio, the head coach. I like Vic, Vic Fangio, the DC. I always, I was off of him by October of 2020. I always said, He's not the guy for Denver, and I was a big candidate of the Vic Fangio should be fired train, mm. which is now converted into the Matt Rule is going to get fired train. <laughs> so just to show you, that's where I stand with that. So I feel like Denver, you can't bring him back to be a DC, but I do get where I just want to bring it up quickly with the AFC West before we get out of here. The whole just generalization of that team and how different they're going to be, but at the same time too, I think – I don't know how much college you watch, but I think Big 12 football with Denver, where it's just a high-flying offense, but the defense is also going to let up a lot of points. So if your offense mm-hmm. isn't clicking, you're going to lose. Yeah. No, exactly. I think that with that Fangio comment, you know, for me, the reason why Fangio leaving is a big deal for them is because of that defense. Like for me, like you said, like I was a big fan of Fangio as a defensive coordinator, and I think that he made that defense better, and him leaving is what's going to put the damper on that Broncos defense that we know and love exactly exactly but also to things like in their final game where they had a chance to win and they kicked the field goal and they played it safe and it's just like there's certain things as an NFL head coach you can't do and that's just mm-hmm. one of those nails in the coffin that's going to cost you your job yeah um oh, so, sorry to cut you off Is there anything else you're gonna add or no I was just gonna say yeah you got to be aggressive yeah gotta be aggressive um but I, I think that's all for today. I've, I'm not sure if there's anything else you want to talk about. I think we covered a lot of the talking points. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you today. I know you and I have been going back and forth and direct messages and just trying to get you on here, but it was a blast getting to talk to you. But I'm going to give you a second before we wrap up today just to tell people if they want to follow you on social media or if fellow Chargers fans who may listen to this want to find you, where can they find you? Um, oh, very like, this is, I feel like I'm eating some hot wings. Um, so this is, um, you can find me on Twitter at NFL Jules, uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Juliet Alex Jones. Um, and every other social link is at Juliet Alex Jones. So that's where you can find me. Sounds good. Well, Jules, anyway, it was a blast getting to talk to you today. Finally getting to talk some chargers. Um, I thought of what to talk to this about, but for those who don't know, we're well, actually, this is one of the rare where we're both Canadian on the podcast. Both, hmm. uh, both Canadians. So I feel like I'm going to appropriate the title of this episode, episode, excuse me, uh, bolt up a, just to like, you know, <laughs> add the chargers, chargers tagline, but then add our little, uh, I'm going to add a little, I'm going to call it a little ketchup chips spice to it. Just adding oh, yeah. all the Canadian metaphors that I can. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. 
Well, anyway, folks, it's been a blast uh, getting to talk to Jules today um, for all Chargers stuff. If you're a Chargers fan, give her a follow. But anyway, folks, that's going to do it here for episode number 167 of YWC Football Talk. And believe me, folks, the Patriots talk is coming. You're just going to have to wait for it. Have a good night, everybody. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.